so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 1, sorry, chapter 13, uh, verse 1 to 9. Okay, this is in my Bible, the NIV, it's uh, titled The Parable of the Sower. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Amen. So uh, this morning uh, we're continuing our, our exploration of our vision theme for the year, which is Abide. Um, and, uh, and, and we're continuing to take a deep dive into uh, John chapter 15, but because we've read that over the last few weeks, which may have been what uh, tripped Neil up, I thought we'd read another passage uh, related that uh, Jesus talks about fruitfulness this morning. So we will touch on a little bit of John thir- uh, Matthew 13, but we're going to be digging uh, again into John uh, 15. And so last week we, we, we went through John 15, 1 to 17 with the question of what does abiding in Jesus look like? What does Jesus say about abiding in Him? And, and so if you did miss that, that's on the podcast, you can catch up with that. But we're going to go through the same passage this week, but we're going to ask a different question. Because the, the key verse says, uh, "What I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So, so that's the key verse, uh, John 15, 5, that we, we take this word abide from. It says remain in the NIV, but, but the older word in the King James is abide and that's where we've got our theme from for this year. But, but what does it look like to be fruitful and so we are talking about fruit this morning and I don't want you to be hungry um, and, and, and that be the reason we're tuning off so I've brought hopefully uh, enough for a piece of fruit uh, for everybody this morning um, so just take a tray and pass it on uh, behind you um, I'm kind of I've got you sorted Abraham um, you feel free to eat that um, but I also want you to remember that this morning we spoke about fruitfulness and I also want you to remember, sometimes it's important to sit in the front couple rows. So I've got a different kind of fruit uh, for you guys in the front couple rows. Um, if they're gracious people, so that bucket can go all the way around as well. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so feel free to take any kind of fruit that you want this morning, be that the Lord's perfectly designed offering of fruit or man's wicked creation. <laughs> I say wicked because of the damage it has done to my physique. (laughs) And so I want you to remember this morning that we're talking about fruitfulness. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit, Jesus says. 
In fact, this whole passage, though we've taken that word abide as our vision and our theme to learn about uh, more and dig deeper in this year to what it means to abide in Jesus, that passage, John 15, 1 to 17, it's all actually about fruitfulness. But we want, so we want to ask this question this morning. What does fruitfulness look like? Because there's all different kinds of fruit. Even in the natural world, there's different kinds of fruit. There's grapes, which grape vines, that's what this passage is about. There's bananas, there's apples, there's mandarins. There's also kind of artificial fruit that we manufacture. There's banana lollies and raspberries and strawberries and cream. So what does the the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about look like? And we're going to get into this a little bit more, but I want to say up front that, that fruitfulness does not equal performance. Fruitfulness does not equal perform to be accepted. Fruitfulness is something other than that. What does fruitfulness look like? Well, the first thing I want us to grab is that we are in fact called to be fruitful. As I said, this passage, John 15, 1 to 17, is all about fruitfulness. It starts with Jesus saying, I am the true vine. He's talking about a grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. And so Jesus begins his conversation with fruitfulness. And then in the middle, in verse 8, he says, This is to my father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he begins there. In the middle, he's talking about bearing much fruit. And then he ends this passage in verse 16. There's another one just after this, which in verse 17, Jesus says, This is my command, love one another. But he says in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so we're fruitful branches who are pruned by the Father to produce more fruitfulness. In fact, the word Jesus used here means much fruitfulness, abundant fruitfulness. That's that's what the Father is pruning us for, so that we'll not just bear fruit, but that we'll bear much fruit. In verse 8, Jesus says, it's to our Father's glory that we bear much fruit. This this is about abundant fruitfulness. And and we get that picture from what Neil read of of the the parable of the sower. And it's actually in Matthew kind of twice. Jesus tells that the parable that uh, that Jesus, you're not that good, Neil. You're great. I honored you last week, but you're not Jesus. Um, That Neil read for us. he, he tells this parable of the sower and then his disciples, they kind of, once they've gone away from the crowd, they say, I've got no idea what that meant. And, and so Jesus explained it as, as the seed been the word and, and the different soils been the receptiveness of different people. And, and, and the point I want to grab this morning is that the seed that fell on good soil, representing those who received the word, what, what happened to it? It produced a hundred, sixty, 
30 times what was sown. And, and so the picture of, of being receptive to God's word, to receiving God's word, is, is an abundant, fruitful harvest. This picture of much fruit is not an isolated thing to this story. That's, that's the picture that Jesus gives us of what it means to follow him and to receive God's word and be his disciple is that we bear much fruit. In fact, it's, it's why we were chosen. It's why we were called in, in verse 16, which I've already read. Jesus says we were chosen and appointed to bear fruit. And so we begin this morning by understanding that it is our calling as followers of Jesus to be fruitful. Just as the purpose of a grapevine, and Jesus is talking about a vineyard here, vines in a grapevine, just as the purpose of a grapevine is to produce grapes, our purpose in Jesus is to be fruitful. It says that the father, the gardener, just in a grapevine, if there's a dead branch, an unfruitful branch, it'll be cut off. It says the father cuts off the unfruitful branches. And this is not a, a punishment thing or a fear thing. This is, this is those branches that have rejected their connection to the vine. Because if we are connected to Jesus, we will be fruitful. But, but our purpose is to be fruitful. Just as a grapevine's purpose is to bear grapes. And so this morning, I, I want you to capture that sense of, of, of your purpose, Ben, fruitfulness. I want to encourage you to, to desire to be fruitful for Jesus. I, I want to encourage you to have a vision for what does fruitfulness in my life look like. And I want to encourage you to, to, to take action towards fruitfulness, to desire Fruitfulness, to have a vision for fruitfulness and to take action towards being fruitful. We're called to be fruitful. And before I go on to talk about, well, what kind of fruit are we called to produce? I, I, I want to zero in on the pruning of the Father. Last week, um, I shared with you that uh, I spent some time with Bill Crow, who's a local winemaker, just to talk a little bit about what kind of pruning takes place and we explored last week that that the pruning efforts are not just a once-off kind of come through at one time a year and hack away a whole bunch of stuff and then the gardener's absent for the rest of the year in fact this picture of the father being the gardener is a picture of constant presence in our life shaping us for fruitfulness and, and so uh, the gardener the, the vine dresser in a vineyard at the end of the fruit growing season will come through and will chop off lots of the vine. We'll water the vine so that it's ready to, to sprout forth into life in spring. They'll, they'll cut off most of what they call spurs so that each branch, each T-shaped, the vine's in a T-shape, so that each branch has about six spurs on it. And on those six spurs, they'll allow two buds that will blossom out into branches or canes, um, they call them. And then uh, the, the vine sits dormant for winter loaded with potential and, and then once the spring comes it bursts forth into life and then there's another time of pruning because even though they've reduced the number of spurs and they've reduced the number of, of uh, buds, the buds will start popping out of everywhere. If anyone's ever seen any plant in spring, it's just amazing. It's, it kind of, the plants seem to know that spring's coming before us and, and they just go, whoosh, 
And, and so the gardener comes around again and trims off unnecessary buds. And then as they, they begin to grow, the grapes, grapevine produces lots and lots of grape clusters from, from places they're not meant to grow, according to the vine dresser. And, and, and so the, the gardener, the vine dresser, has in mind a number of grapes that they want on each shoot, a number of grape clusters, and so they'll trim off any extras that aren't required. And then throughout the season, they'll, they'll also trim off leaves, and, and they'll, it depends on the temperature how many leaves they leave, because if they leave too many, the grapes will get mildew on them. If they take off too many, the grapes will get sunburned. And so this is all, though, even though it's a cutting off, it's all about producing more fruitfulness. Because what happens if there's too many branches on the vine, if, it, if it's allowed to grow wild, yes, it'll produce a lot of leaves, yes, it'll produce a lot of grape clusters, but not many of the grapes will actually grow to maturity and ripen. So there might be more grapes at one point in the season, but, but the fruit is not good, it's not fruit that will last. Grapevines, without being pruned, in a sense, try to produce too much. Too many branches, too many grapes, too many leaves. And, and the result of trying to produce too much is less. Poor, unripe, undeveloped fruit. And so the pruning activity of the vine dresser is for maximum fruitfulness in terms of good fruit that will produce in a vineyard that's for wine, produce good wine. And this is such a picture of our lives. Left to our own devices, we so often try and produce too much. We might try and produce lots of foliage, but, but we never get around to producing too much fruit. And what I mean by that is we, we might be focused on looking nice and healthy and leafy and like I've got it all together and I'm doing well in every area. But when you take a closer look, there's, there's not actually much fruit there. And so the father would come along and trim back and tell us, you don't need that branch. You don't have to look good to everybody. You don't have to please everybody. You're not called to be in that area of life and prune us back. Sometimes it might look like we're so desperate to be fruitful and to prove ourselves and, and to pr prove that we're a productive follower of Jesus that, that we, we try and produce lots of fruit. But the thing is, if we're trying to do too much, there's too much fruit on the vine, none of it ever grows to maturity and ripens. And so it might look good for a season, but, but nothing ever gets to the point where you can call it good fruit. Nothing gets to the point where it's going to produce, in, in a, in a winemaker sense, good wine. I'm sorry if wine offends you, but that's what Jesus is talking about, that kind of vines here. He uses this metaphor a lot. And so the father would come along and say, you're trying to do too much. I've not called you to that area. That one belongs to Dan. I've not called you to do that. Why, why are you doing that? And he'll cut off what he hasn't called us to do. 
It's not just these things that he cuts off. But the key is to understand that our striving to produce fruit often means we produce less good fruit. The Father prunes away everything that's unnecessary for us to produce a good harvest of fruitfulness. So it's not just our striving. Yes, the Father comes along and and He wants to prune striving away from our life. The efforts to do too much. But but there's also other things. There's there's also other things that get into uh, us and into our lives and habits that, that undermine our fruitfulness. And so I believe the Father wants to to prune those things away if we let him. And I don't want to trivialise these things like it's just as easy as a snip, but, but I believe if, we, if we're suffering from anxiety and that's, that's reducing our fruitfulness in life, the Father wants to prune that away from our lives. If we're suffering from depression and I don't want to trivialise that like it's just a little, oh, snip, it's gone, but, but if we're suffering from that, I believe the Father wants to prune that away from our lives. If we'll let Him, if we'll engage with Him, if we'll let Him lead us through processes, if we'll even go see a, a counsellor, sometimes you need like a hedge trimmer, sometimes you need a saw, sometimes you need a, a little dainty um, pair of secateurs. I was going to bring them this morning. I thought no one's going to see them in my hand, so big, big, chunky ones. I resisted the hedge trimmer, so I'm very proud of it. I bought it from Neil. (laughs) But the Father wants to prune away everything that reduces our fruitfulness. And and so sometimes it might seem like He's holding us back, that He's restricting us, that He's restraining us, and why won't you just let me flourish, God? But He knows that the way we're trying to flourish is just all about leaves. Or the way we're trying to flourish is just all about too many grapes rather than than focusing in on where He's called us so that we might actually produce ripe, beautiful, good, lasting fruit. Or or maybe He can see that, that there's an area of our life that's just toxic and He needs to trim that away, whatever it is, so that we can be set free to be fruitful for Him. And so this morning I want to encourage us Yes, to desire and, and to have a vision and, and to, to have a, a, an action towards fruitfulness. But, but I want to encourage you, firstly, to just simply let the Father prune your life. To let Him shape you. To do His will. Even when that feels like holding you back, when that feels like restricting you and I just want to be free, I just want to do what I want, trust me, I'll be fruitful We need to begin in fruitfulness by letting the Father prune us. By letting Him trim away all that's in our life that doesn't lead to fruitfulness. So we're called to be fruitful. The Father prunes us to increase our fruitfulness, but the question still remains, what kind of fruit are we called to produce? Like, is it apples? Is it bananas? Is it raspberries? And calories don't count if you're preaching while you eat them. <laughs> because there's no point growing apples if you're meant to be producing wine. Even at a more microscopic level, there's no point growing champagne grapes if you're trying to produce Shiraz. Shiraz. 
And so lots of research, a, a vineyard, a, a winemaker will do lots of research on, on what kind of grapes they should plant. Uh, this is about what's selling well in the market. It's also about what's going to grow well in, in the area they're seeking to plant. And um, so I was speaking to Bill Crow again during the week um, and, and I heard him talking about there's a wine uh, maker, a vineyard recently that's cut out all of their uh, Pinot Noir grapes. And, and I said, oh, I thought that was a popular wine at the moment. Don't ask me how I know. Uh, I just thought that was a popular wine at the moment. He said, yeah, it's great, but it doesn't grow well here. And, and so lots of... Study and research and understanding goes into thinking what kind of grapes, what kind of vines should we plant? What kind of fruit are we trying to grow? Because there's no point being abundantly fruitful, producing much fruit, if it's completely the wrong kind of fruit. In John 15, 8, and we've already looked at this verse, but just to remind you, Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so the litmus test, the, the gold standard test of, is this the kind of fruit the Father's calling me to produce, is does it bring him glory? Does the fruit that is being produced in my life Bring God glory. Or is it just something that boosts my ego? Is it just something that makes me look good? Is it just something that will make me feel successful? Or is it to my Father's glory? And so there's lots of areas in life of fruitfulness that bring God glory. Uh, we can bring God glory in the fruit from our work, from our business, from our parenting, from, from even in our singleness. If we're single people, we can bring God glory in the fruit that comes from our singleness. We can bring God glory from the fruit that comes from our marriages and our parenting and our children. Uh, but, but I want us to zero in on a couple types of fruit that, that the scriptures talk about. And the first one is the fruit of inner transformation or personal transformation. In Galatians 5... Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about fruit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness. Sorry, patience and forbearance, same thing. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so uh, I want to encourage us that, that this is kind of part of the kind of fruit that we're called to produce in our life. That we would, uh, in essence, become more like Christ. That, that we're called to be fruitful in this way. But, but I also want to encourage us that if we reduce it down to my inner personal transformation, we're, we're missing the point of what Jesus is talking about here. Yes, he's talking about this, but he's talking about so much more than that. He, he's talking about an increase to the kingdom of God. He's talking about the making of disciples. In Matthew 13, 23, we've already looked at this, but, but Jesus says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who, bear, who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. If you sow a seed of wheat, what kind of wheat, do you, what kind of seed, I stuffed it up, what kind of seed do you get from the plant when you sow wheat? Wheat. 
when you plant an orange seed, if you have far greater gardening capacity than me, what kind of fruit will grow on that tree? Oranges. Oranges. There's this principle that starts in Genesis of reproduction according to kind. And so if we are a disciple of Jesus, the kind of fruit that we're primarily called to produce is not just inner transformation. Yes, it, it starts there. It has to begin there. It flows from there. But it's actually the fruit of making disciples. If it was just in a transformation, we would have had 11 or so really well put together, you know, peaceful, joyful guys, and it would have ended there about 2,000 years ago. See, we stand here or sit today because there have been disciples that have borne the fruit of disciples that have borne the fruit of disciples that have borne the fruit of disciples for thousands of years so that we can receive the seed of God's word so that we might receive it but if we're the good soil if we're the good soil that hears the word and understands it fruitfulness means to bear the fruit of more disciples Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so I want to encourage you that the fruit that brings the Father's glory can be lots of kind of things, but it is our lives being transformed and bearing more of the fruit of the Spirit, but it is also the making of disciples. And so I want to encourage you this morning to have a desire for this kind of fruit in your life. It begins there. We're unlikely to see more fruit of the Spirit in our life unless we desire it. We're unlikely to see more of the fruit of disciples coming to Jesus, people becoming disciples, unless we start with a desire. And so I want to encourage you as well to have a vision for what that might look like and to take action towards it. To share personally, I, I have a desire to be more like Jesus because I couldn't imagine being more unlike Him, to be honest than I am now. And, and so my vision, it goes on to the church and the community, and goes there, but, but my vision for myself is that Christ would be fully formed in me. The, the action I take is, you know, I set aside time to spend with Him, with God, with His Word. For me, I find I'm very easily distracted and so the best time of the day for me to do that is before the world wakes up. And so I get up earlier than um, is my uh, genetic predisposition to do so so that, that I can actually just spend time with God. And so I want to encourage you, have a desire, have a vision, take action for personal transformation, but, but I also want to encourage us together and individually as a church and as individual disciples of Jesus to have a desire to see fruitfulness in the area of disciples being made in Yas or wherever you live. And so, so I have this desire, I talk about it often if you're a part of this church, to see the 6,000 or so in Yas, and, and, and again, that's just a rough number, but the 6,000 or so in Yas that don't yet know Jesus. I have this desire to eat into that number. Yes, I desire all of them to be saved. At least that's Jesus' desire and I'm trying to be like him. But I have this desire to see lots of people in Yas saved. And so my vision of what that looks like is that 
There'd be no, like the starting point, the step towards that is that to look around here and go, there'd be no empty chairs here. It's not just about this church. There's, many, there's several churches in Yass that are all have the same desire, but that's where my vision starts and I want to invite us as a church this morning to look around and yes, some of the chairs are empty because the kids have gone out, but, but to have a vision of what would it look like if every chair that's in the room right now was filled with someone that at the moment doesn't know Jesus, but they come in because they want to know about him and, and, and they come to know him. What would that look like? And if you're thinking, oh, Nick just wants, you know, this is just about my ego. I'm in touch with myself enough to be in touch with my pride and wrestle with that. It's not about that. What would it look like for all of these chairs to be filled with someone who's just come to know Jesus? That's my vision of that. Actually, my vision doesn't stop there. Bear with me a moment. Because i got more chairs. What would it look like for not just those chairs to be filled up, but, but for these chairs to be filled up? And again, it's not about Sunday attendance, it's about people coming to know Jesus. And I've just found that when people discover a passion for Jesus, they, they tend to want to worship him with Jesus' people. And what about not just those chairs? What about these chairs as well? I'll stop there, but I've got several more stacks of chairs out there. We actually, we have 200 of these chairs. And so what I want to encourage us as a church is to capture a vision of what would it look like to see them all filled. Not because people have come from other churches or, or anything like that. That's always a bad thing or not. But, but not just so that we boost our Sunday attendance one way or another, but, but to be filled with people who right now don't know Jesus, but they come in because they, they at least want to learn about him and do. That's my desire. That, that's my vision. I don't want to stop at 200. I don't want us as a church to stop at 200. In fact, my vision is, is that we just simply can't fit in this building anymore. I love this building. It's been such a blessing to this church, but oh, how deeply I want it to be too small for us. Because I want to see much fruitfulness. Desire, vision, action. Action. It takes action. It takes us stepping in to seeking to lead other people to Jesus. And, and we've been discussing this, Carl and I, who he's kind of heads up the idea of outreach and community engagement and evangelism in the life of our church, not that it's his job. But we've been discussing how might we equip our church to be fruitful in the area of making disciples. And so I'm really excited about what's coming together and we're going to call it Each One Reach One. And it's not just, it's just, not just a catchphrase to kind of go, oh, we've all got to reach one for Jesus. But we want to give you tools and, and things to focus on and do so that we can all have a vision and a dream of reaching one. Because if everyone in this room and those who aren't here this morning, if we all reached one for Jesus, the chairs would be full. The building would be overflowing. And so I want to encourage you to buy into that vision as a part of our church, but I want you to have your own desire. I want you to have your own vision 
and to start taking your own action towards both of those things, that personal transformation and inner fruitfulness and that, that fruitfulness of reproducing according to your kind. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that kind is more followers of Jesus. That's the kind of fruit we're called to produce. But we need to keep coming back to here. If we abide in Jesus, we will bear much fruit. That, that's the primary action that we're called to take is, is to abide in Jesus. We, we, we begin by talking about this word abide. It's not a passive word. That's why I like abide better than remain because remain can just stay where you're seated. But abide is a verb. It's, it's an activity. It's a, it's a, and that's why we've put... If I flick through to the end, I'm hoping I've put it at the end. We'll see it again in a moment. But that's why we've put all of those words, you can look at the back of the building, around abide because there's so much to what it means to abide and remain and dwell and, and nest and linger and be immersed in Jesus. If we remain, if we abide, if we dwell in Jesus, we will be fruitful and, and unless we hold on to that, our, our enthusiasm for fruitfulness will slip us back into the idea of striving. We'll try and uh, push out too many leaves and too many grapevines, uh, too many grapes and none of them will grow to maturity. We'll end up like the unpruned vine. Our fruitfulness comes from abiding. But it, but it doesn't mean doing nothing, abiding is an activity but it also means modeling the way we do that on jesus in john 5 19 which i don't have on the screen but jesus says i only do what the father is doing i find it remarkable that the only person in history that i can see that's completely devoid of any sense of a messiah complex that that's that sense of i need to do everything for everybody is the messiah himself jesus seems to exhibit absolutely no need to do everything to heal everybody yes everyone he touched he healed but he didn't heal everybody those who were hungry he fed but he didn't feed everybody if you think about jesus has has solved every problem in humanity through solving our sin but but between now and his second coming there's still a whole bunch of things that he he hasn't yet done and we cry out and pray for those things but he said i only do what i see the father doing and so if we're going to take action towards fruitfulness it's, it's got to be the kind of action that that jesus modeled it's got to be the kind of action that that only does what we see the father doing that that lets him prune us back to just those things another way of looking at it is what the apostle paul said to the uh, ephesians uh, the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's handiwork. We're shaped by Him. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, so abiding doesn't mean doing nothing. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, but it says which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So 
So it's not passivity, it's action, but it's, it's the actions that, that God's called us to that He's prepared in advance for us to do. And it also means this, in, in, a, in John chapter 15, in verse 7 and 16, Jesus says a similar thing. He says in, in, in verse 7, If you remain in me or abide in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In verse 16, which we've already read this, but reinforcement is so good when it's the scriptures that we're reading over and again. He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, because we've been given this calling, he says, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. See, the thing is, when we abide with Jesus, when we dwell with him, when we remain in him, when we're immersed in him, when we're bunked with him, when we endure in his presence, all of those things around what it means to abide, when we do that, our desires are transformed. The fruit of the Spirit begins to be produced in our life and so the kind of things that we'll ask for become more like the kind of things that Jesus would ask the Father for. And so I've encouraged the church before in our prayers, don't, don't wait until you feel like your, your requests are perfectly sanctified before you start asking God for stuff, He's perfectly able to work with us in that process. The Holy Spirit is perfectly able to, as Paul says in Romans, to interpret for us when we don't know what to pray. So don't wait until you're completely transformed, but, but that process transforms the kind of things that we want, we want to ask for. And so Jesus says, whatever you ask... In my name, it will be done for you. And so this is why it's so important that we have a desire and a vision for kingdom fruitfulness in our life. How often have you asked for something that you just didn't want? We don't, do we? We don't go down to Dan's cafe when we don't want a coffee, unless we want to see Dan. There's other reasons, I guess. But <laughs> we don't go down to the cafe if we're one of those people who, was, who I was once like, who detests coffee, walk up to the counter and say, can I have a coffee, please? If we don't have the desire, we don't go and ask for it. And so I want to stir up in us this morning a desire and a vision for what both fruitfulness in transformed lives, our, our own life transformed, bearing fruit of the Spirit, but, but also a desire and a vision to see this church be increasingly fruitful, to see your life increasingly fruitful in the making of disciples. And so I want to ask, what, what do you want to ask for? What do you want to ask for? Jesus is saying to you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. What do you want to ask for? What fruit do you want to see that will bring the Father glory? Glory. 
That word glory it means to ascribe glory to, but it also means to recognize the real substance of. What do you want to see take place in your life that people will look at and they will recognize that the real substance of it is God the Father? That there's something about it that is, that is giving God glory because they can see that this is not about you. This is not something that, that you've simply accomplished through your own strength and might, but it's come from the Holy Spirit. It's come from God. What, what do you want to ask for? And so Eliza's going to begin to play. And I want to invite you to stand and, and I ask you that question again. What do you want? The band's just going to play for a moment. We've got a few minutes. And I just encourage you to begin to ask. Jesus has given you an invitation to ask. If you're not sure what to ask for, I invite you to just Ask the Father, stir up within me a desire for fruitfulness. Maybe fruitfulness in your life begins with healing. And so I encourage you to ask, Father, heal me in the name of Jesus. Maybe fruitfulness in your life begins with, with stuff being proved or pruned away. Maybe it's striving. Maybe it's an effort to look good, to produce the leaves, but there's not much fruit. Maybe fruitfulness in your life begins with some of that stuff I talked about, anxiety and depression and, and pain and trauma, things like that been pruned away. And so I invite you to, this morning to ask the Father, come and cut this out of my life. Come and show me the way of healing from those things. Show me who to speak to. Show me who to call. But above all else, may the, the good counsel of the Holy Spirit come and minister to those places. Maybe fruitfulness for you this morning looks like asking the Father to cut away an area of sin in your life that you just struggle with over and over again and you don't want it there anymore and you know it's hampering your fruitfulness. You know that, that if that was just gone, you could be more fruitful, but, but you can't do it on your own. And so maybe fruitfulness this morning it means coming to the Father and saying, in the name of Jesus, prune this away that I might be more fruitful for your glory. We're going to sing our final song in a moment, but I just want to leave you with this verse as you continue to, to sit with that. I encourage you to keep asking. 
as the song that sounds like we're about to sing invites us to come to the altar, I want to encourage you to come to the altar, to continue to ask. But I want to leave you with this encouragement. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, said this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be. They will be. And so I declare it over you this morning, if your trust is in the Lord, you will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. You will be like this tree that does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And so I declare that over us this morning, Lord. May we be as that tree. May we be blessed to be planted by you, to be planted by the stream of the Holy Spirit. May we stretch out our roots towards your presence. May we have no fear in heat and drought. May we not wither. And may we, as individuals, and may we as a church, never fail to bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.